What is up, guys? And welcome to Montreal Madness with your host, Tony Montreal. So before we begin, I just want to say it's great to be back with all you in this Memorial Day weekend with another episode. And I hope all you guys have a fun and safe weekend celebrating the men and women who sacrificed their lives for our freedoms, making this the best damn country on the planet. So to open up this episode, I just want to get this off my chest. So in case you guys didn't hear, at the beginning of the week, Ben Roethlisberger shaved his grizzly-ass beard and the Steelers made a hype video about it. However, Tom Wolf, governor of Pennsylvania, must have saw it, and he was quoted on saying this, My concern is just a general concern. Anybody who puts himself or herself into harm's way is something that I think we should have to try to avoid. When you go to something like a barbershop and you're not protected, I don't care who you are. The chances of that virus actually wrecking havoc on your life increases. I don't personally think any Pennsylvanian ought to be taking that chance, and I certainly don't want to take that chance myself. Now, not to get too political here, because that's not what this show's about, but Mr. Wolf, I'm going to politely ask you to freaking shove it where the sun doesn't shine. You have absolutely no clue what the hell you're talking about. First off, that barber that you're criticizing and Ben Roethlisberger, they're friends. Ben Roethlisberger's friend who owns that barber shop is still closed, thanks to you. And he's not making a paycheck, thanks to you. This was a free gift to his friend who just happened to be the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, giving him a trim on his beard and a haircut. You have no freaking right, as the governor of Pennsylvania, mind you, to tell your citizens what they can do and what they can't do. You know, we have rights in this country for a reason. And what these people do in their own spare time is up to them. And you have no right to tell them what to do. So how about you spare us the lecture and actually govern the state of Pennsylvania? Other than that, shove it and keep quiet. And that's all I have to say about that. So speaking of Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Earlier this week, Colin Coward went on his weekly radio show, and to basically, basically summarize it, uh, he had a segment on how the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go 7-9 this year. Now, I don't know if, you know, he's getting all crazed in the head over here because of all this, you know, quarantine uh, mess that we're going through right now, or whether he's smoking something that he shouldn't be smoking, but for him to say that the Steelers are going to go 7-9 this year is just beyond ridiculous. But let's backtrack for a little bit here. So last year, the Steelers went 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, that's a pretty mediocre season, especially to the standards that the Pittsburgh Steelers um, hold themselves to. However, though, they went 8-8, eight and eight, mainly because they had a backup quarterback and a practice squad quarterback starting 14 of the 16 regular season games. So despite all that, they still went eight games, mainly because of their number one rated defense from last year. Now let's go into the, now let's go into this year. On the defensive side of the ball, the Steelers get all but one of the starters back from last year. Uh, they lost Javion Hargrave, uh, their nose tackle, to free agency. However, though, they get a healthy Stephon Tuitt back on that defensive line, who can easily rack up six to seven sacks if he plays a whole sixteen games, and. He also is one of the best run stoppers in the league, and he always inquires a double team on, on almost every single play, which frees up other players to come and sack the quarterback. So on top of all that, they get Minka Fitzpatrick back, who has a whole year under the Pittsburgh Steelers system, 
Same for uh, Devin Bush. He was a rookie last year. Phenomenal rookie, if I do say so myself. He gets another year's experience. TJ Watt is now just entering the prime of his career at, you know, 25 years old. Um, they get Bud Dupree back, who just signed a one-year franchise tag. Uh, so he's going to be balling out again balling out again in hopes of a bigger contract, whether it be for the Steelers or for another team. So I see him uh, racking up another 9 and 10 sacks this year. Um, you get... Uh, Cam Hayward, who is nearing the end of his prime. However, he is still a phenomenal force in that defense. You know, their defense is just loaded. But now you get Big Ben back. And you mean to tell me with Big Ben, despite him being 38 years old, can't, is only going to win them nine, or uh, excuse me, seven games this year? Really? They're going to be worse with Big Ben as their starting quarterback. I mean, you got to be crazy to think that. I mean, I have them winning at least. 10 games this year and uh, on top of all that they have the second easiest schedule in the league so I just I just don't find how the Steelers are only going to win seven games with that defense coming back which was the top defense in the league last year Big Ben coming back they also signed a really good offensive lineman and Stefan Wisniewski they got a top five tight end uh, they brought in and Eric Ebron and a lot of their skilled guys on offense from last year are really young. So all of them gained um, a year of experience under them. Um, rookie Deontay Johnson uh, last year, he had um, he led the Steelers in receptions and receiving yards. And he's honestly going to be my X factor for the Steelers this year. Um, I look for him to have a breakout year, especially with a, uh, with a healthy and determined Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I think he's going to prove all the critics wrong that say, you know, he's nothing without Antonio Brown. Um, yeah, he's going to come back with a fire in his eyes. I have him uh, catching over 100 passes and 1,000 yards receiving. You know, this Steelers team is looking really good for this year. Um, they're in a win-now win mode, as I uh, referred to um, from the last episode. And I just don't see how Colin Coward, who is regarded as this big um you know, sports host that, and you know, he knows everything and how he can, you know, give a preview in the Steelers saying they're only going to go seven and nine. Uh, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I don't care whether you're a Steelers fan or not. You know, I'm not being a Homer Steeler fan here. Just the fact of the matter is the Steelers team is loaded on defense. They have a future Hall of Fame quarterback, despite him being um, age 38, and they have a lot of young and talented skill position players on their on that team. So, you know, when you're doing like a preview of any team in any sport, you know, I don't know if he's thinking like the Steelers are going to get um, a lot of injuries or he doesn't know whether Big Ben is going to come back from that uh, major elbow surgery or not, but you're doing a preview, you can't go into that preview thinking about all oh, the Steelers are going to get a bunch of injuries or, or you know, Big Ben is going to be the same quarterback. You can't do that. You know, you have to go in and just look at the roster and, you know, give a preview on that. So I just do not understand um, how Colin Coward can think that the Steelers are going to go 7-9. But yeah, that wasn't uh, his finest uh, segment, to say the least. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so yeah, the Steelers are not going to go seven to nine, um, when they have a top defense, big Ben coming back and the second easiest schedule in the league. So I don't know what's going on that little head of his or whatever, but he is just flat out wrong on that take. So staying on the topic of the NFL, the NFL owners recently just laid down a proposal basically saying 
that if an NFL team hires a minority GM or head coach, that they will be rewarded uh, and compensated with higher draft picks in the third round of future drafts. Now, although this proposal may sound good on paper, it just won't work in reality. And the reason why it won't work is because in today's world of professional sports, it does not matter what race you are, you know, what your physical appearance is, what you look like. The only thing that matters is winning and winning only. Um, as a fan, I don't give a shit what you look like. As long as my team wins, I don't care. Um, you know, I just want my team to win. And that's what NFL owners want um, is is for their team to win. Because if their team wins um, and they're doing good, that drives in more money for them. Um, so why the NFL owners would lay down this proposal is just baffling to me. You know, the only equivalent to this, to this proposal that I can uh, see is what the Montreal Canadiens do. So the city of Montreal is in the province of Quebec. And Quebec is a bilingual province. Um, they speak both English and French um, in, uh, in Montreal. And so the hiring process in Montreal is totally different than what the 30 other teams have to go through. Because the Canadians, they have, in their view, they have to have a candidate out there you know, who speaks both languages to appease both the French-speaking people and the English-speaking people. So if there is a great head coach or GM out there who either got fired or you know he just wanted to switch teams, you know they can't even interview that guy um, unless he is bilingual. So the Canadians, you know, they go through multiple head coaches a year and they go through the same sort of people once every ten years or so because there's not that many head coach or GMs out there that can speak both English and French. Um, so the Canadians are very limited on to who they hire as a head coach or GM. So I know it's a little different than what this proposal, but the fact of the matter is, you know, you're only hiring people based either on their skin color and what their physical appearance is or how they, or how they speak. You know, it's not about their resume or what they bring to the table. It's, you know, it's, it's something that doesn't have to do with sports. And, you know, this, this, this whole proposal, this new proposal right here just does not uh, sit well with me because it's going to change the, uh, the whole dynamic on how NFL teams hire. You know, if you have a white candidate and a minority candidate with the exact same resume and the exact same accomplishments and everything like that, NFL teams will be essentially forced to hire the minority just because of their skin color, um, because they will obviously get rewarded with higher draft picks. So yeah, I just don't see how this works out in a good way. And to me, in my opinion, this is a disservice to all those uh, minority head coach and GMs out there who have worked their butts off to get to this point in their career, and they will be viewed and looked upon based on their physical appearance and their skin color rather than their actual abilities, rather than their actual resumes and uh, what they can bring to an NFL team. So if there's another way to bring in a more diverse group of people to become head coaches and GMs, good. I am all for that because I want the best possible person to be on my favorite team to win games and to win championships. But this is not the way to go about it. Um, so the NFL, I hope they go back to the drawing board. I hope they scrap this proposal and throw it away and bring in something new. 
but this is just not the way to go. And I hope everybody can realize this and work on something different. So speaking of bad proposals, the NHL had just came up with this not-so-bright idea of having a 2014 playoff format for the Stanley Cup instead of your regular 16-team format. Um, you know, they've already played 72 games in that regular season this year, each team has. So to me, you don't need to add an extra eight teams into the playoffs because your regular season was shortened. You know, you play 82 games in the regular season for a reason. It's to separate the playoff caliber teams from the non-playoff caliber teams. And, you know, I could understand if they would have implemented this when this lockdown started, you know, at the halfway point of the regular season or less. Um, But with only 10 games left to go in the regular season for most teams, it really doesn't make any sense adding an additional eight teams to the playoffs. Uh, Now, I could easily see uh, the NHL adding um, at least one team from each conference into the playoffs, especially because there are such tight races going on in both conferences for the wildcard spots. Um, So I can easily see the NHL adding an additional uh, team from each conference, but not an additional uh, eight eight teams. Uh, That's just downright ridiculous. Now, as the Habs fan that I am, um, you know, they are right at the cutoff in the Eastern Conference as the number 12 seed. So they would be locked into the playoffs if this proposal would get passed. And also included in this proposal is that the first round or two would either be a best of three or best of five series. And with Carey Price being the goaltender for the Canadians, you know, he alone can easily steal a series or two if he gets hot right away going into the playoffs. Um, now, that's just the type of goalie he is. You know, he's the honestly the best in the world uh, being a goaltender. And that's just not me saying it. For the past four or five years, he has been consistently voted by the NHL Players Association as the best goalie in the NHL. So as a Habs fan, you know, hey, I mean, I would be on board with it. You know, I would still watch the Canadians in the playoffs. You bet your ass I will. Um, but just as a general hockey fan, I don't understand this proposal just simply based on the fact that you're adding teams that are, you know, below a winning record into the playoffs just because the regular season was cut short, what, 10, 11 games um, for each team, and that's it. Um, that just really doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever why the NHL would even come up with that idea. Um, so if I'm the NHL, you know, I would seriously look at adding an extra team or two to each conference. Like I said before, just because um, the wild card races has been so tight going into the uh, home stretch of the regular season, um, but for them to add, you know, 24 teams in total into the playoffs, um, it's just a bad idea all around. Um, it's gonna, it's going to lead to some pretty uh, crappy series for the first uh, series or two, um, just because you'll have teams like Boston and you know the Blues playing teams like the Sabers and the Canadians or um, teams in the Western Conference like the Dallas Stars or the Minnesota Wild or whatever, who've been right around 500 or, or a little bit below um, the whole year. So it just it just really doesn't make any sense to me why the NHL would come up with this proposal to begin with. Um, you know, to me, you know, the NHL, it's, you know, at least here in America, it's a really dying sport as far as viewership goes. Um, so I don't know if they're thinking of ratings and all this stuff or, you know, or what have you, 
But they, you know, just like the NFL, they need to go back to the drawing board uh, with this proposal. It just does not make any sense. It, it's it's just not good to say the least. Um, so as a hockey fan, I don't like it. As a Canadians fan, hey, I'll take it. You know, I'll take the Canadians being in the playoffs any day. But just for the sake of the game itself, I I just don't want to see the NHL moving to a 2014 format. Um, that's just way too many teams in the playoffs, way too many undeserving teams to make the playoffs, um, especially, you know, when majority of teams have already played 72 out of the 82 regular season games. So overall, this is just way too big of a knee-jerk reaction by the NHL uh, with this proposal. And, you know, I get it. I really do. You know, you're trying to make up for such a lost time with there being no games played. You know, you want to appease the fans. You want to appease the players and everything for their lost time. But you're not getting it back. And with such a drastic change to the system... I think you have more of a chance in ruining the sport than you are helping the sport. So let's just pump the brakes in this whole 2014 playoff format for a little bit. Uh, let's just see how all this plays out, you know, in the next month or two here. And, you know, just try to find something different that doesn't completely change and alter um, what, you know, the NHL has always done in regards to their playoff format. So as many sports leagues around America, like the NHL, like uh, the MLB, and even um, as far as the NFL is concerned, they are scrambling uh, to reopen their seasons or to figure out a way to start their season up. Well, there is one sport out there that has already started back up, and that is NASCAR. That's right, guys. Boogity, 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 boys. Let's go racing. Um, NASCAR has already raced two races um, since this lockdown began. Uh, the first one was at Darlington last Sunday, and the second one was again at Darlington uh, last Wednesday night. And there will also be an upcoming race this Sunday at Charlotte for the Coca-Cola 600. So if you guys want your uh, live sports fix back, um, I really suggest you guys uh, just go watch NASCAR. And, uh, you know, I know NASCAR has this big uh, stereotype um, with them where, you know, it's only a southern sport um, and they only make left turns. But guys, NASCAR is just so much more than making left turns. And it's so much more than just for uh, the people down south. You know, you have these guys strapped in cars that go 200 miles an hour or more um, on a typical given race. And, you know, they're not just driving around in circles. They are racing against, you know, 40 other cars out there going these speeds, racing side by side. Um, and they're going balls to the wall almost every single lap. And there's even strategy involved um, during a race as well. You know, whether, you know, a car can run 50 or 60 laps on a uh, fuel cycle or whatever, you know, teams will try to stretch that out um, to only make, you know, three to three pit stops in a race compared to four or five um, to try to gain an advantage and uh, lots of time um, on the track by not pitting or only taking two tires or fuel only. Um, so there's a lot of strategy involved as well in NASCAR that makes it um, a lot more interesting too. Um, so yeah, if you guys aren't the biggest NASCAR fans in the world, I really, I really encourage you to just watch a race. You know, like I said, there is a race coming 
tomorrow on Sunday at 6 o'clock for the Coca-Cola 600 um, on Fox. Um, so, hey, I mean, what else do you have to do? You know, there's no other uh, sporting events out there. So, you know, give NASCAR a watch. Give it a try and see if you like it or not. I'm telling you guys right now, I can almost guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. Um, you know, I've always been a big NASCAR fan ever since I was growing up. I was a diehard Jeff Gordon fan. I mean, hell, from uh, fifth to eighth grade, I wore a Jeff Gordon jacket uh, damn near every day to school. Uh, that's that's how much I like Jeff Gordon. That's how much I like NASCAR. I can even remember as a kid, um, I was vacationing uh, to Hershey Park for a long weekend, and uh, there just happened to be a race on that weekend. So instead of so instead of going to the park on Sunday, I uh, made my dad stay in the hotel room with me uh, to watch the race. And uh, just so happens Jeff Gordon won that race. I can remember it vividly. It was at uh, Sonoma Raceway. It's a road course out in California. And uh, Jeff Gordon ended up winning that race. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, that was my childhood right there growing up. You know, every Sunday, it didn't matter what I was doing or where I was. I found a way uh, to watch my favorite driver and to watch, honestly, my favorite sport uh, back in the day growing up, which was NASCAR. Like I said, it's not just a Southern sport. It's not just about cars making layoff turns. You know, it's 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 just not that. Um, you know, I encourage you guys to, you know, watch this race Sunday. Take it seriously and, uh, you know, have an open mind about it. You know, let it grow on you. You know, it is a really, really fascinating sport. Give it a watch. Give it a try. And I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. So the way NASCAR is conducting their races right now is that they have no practice sessions, no qualifying session, uh, no race, uh, no fans in the stands. Um, they have limited pit reporters that have access to pit road and to interview the drivers. And essentially, they just take the cars off the haulers as soon as, you, as soon as they get to the track, and they go racing. And it has led to some very exciting races these past um, uh, two uh, NASCAR events. Um, the first one was Sunday. Uh, Kevin Harvick won that one. And then on Wednesday night, uh, Denny Hamlin won that one, all, all by that it was... Uh, shortened uh by 20 laps uh due to rain but wednesday night night's race was very exciting um you had guys you know constantly making lead changes um you know there was cars moving from the back of the field to the front cars moving from the front of the field to the back it was just a lot of exciting back and forth racing a lot of side by side racing and uh, I'm a big Chase Elliott fan right now. You know, he took over Gordon's car his rookie year. And then since he's moved to another car, he drives a number nine uh, a Napa Chevy right now. Um, so he's he's uh, my favorite driver right now. And um, to be quite frank, he dominated that race on Wednesday night. Um, you know, he started in the back um, because they do an inverted qualifying order from the previous race. So on Sunday, he finished fourth, which meant he started 17th on Wednesday. So he kept on working his way um, up through the field. Um, he got into the top 10 within the first 10 to 15 laps, eventually made his way to the top five, and then he found himself in the lead midway through the race. And uh, he kept that lead for a while, and then with around 20 laps to go, um, after a pit, he wound it up third or fourth. Um, now, the guys in front of him were on old tires, and at Darlington Raceway, uh, tires tend to wear a lot quicker than a lot of other races, so he was primed 
to win that race. So on the restart, um, he started, like I said, I think it was fourth place. Um, he quickly passed Kyle Busch on the restart um, on the first lap. However, though, Kyle Busch was on his rear corner panel going off at turn four. And down the front stretch, um, he thought that he had cleared Chase, or that Chase Elliott cleared him, so he went to move back out to the high side. Well, it turns out that he didn't, and he essentially dumped him into the infield wall and took Chase Elliott out of the race, um, took his uh, chances of winning down the drain, and he ended up uh, finishing, I think, 38th or 39th, and Kyle Busch ended up finishing uh, second. So for you guys that don't follow NASCAR, uh, Kyle Busch is essentially the New England Patriots of NASCAR. You know, he's the guy that everybody loves to hate, and it's very easy, easy to not like him. You know, he's always whining and complaining and throwing bitch fits about other drivers, you know, whenever they bump him or get in his way. You know, he's always blaming his mistakes and failures on other race car drivers out on the track. Um, he never takes any responsibility for himself, and uh, after the race, he games he um he uh did an interview and did some sort of half-assed apology saying you know he didn't do it on purpose that it was an honest mistake but that's coming from the guy out there who says that he's the top driver of nascar you know he's regarded as this guy who you know he he's has complete control of his race car at all times you know he uh you know he's always careful out there you know he you know expects expects people to race him how he races others well you know what when you're going at speeds at 180 miles an hour you damn well should know whether you cleared a car or not and for him to make a move like he did and to abruptly turn right to get back into the preferred line and, and taking out chase elliott and by the way chase elliott whenever he got wrecked and got out of his car he did the old one figure salute to kyle bush and that was really awesome to see coming from Chase because Chase is this, you know, well-mannered, you know, low-toned guy. He really doesn't show his emotions on his sleeves. Um, you know, he really doesn't talk with a lot of passion. He's really calm, cool, and collective. But no, it was really nice to see him have that um, fire underneath him, you know, that he was, you know, pissed off. You know, he was mad that he had the winning car and he got just flat out taken out um, by Kyle Busch. So that was really uh, nice to see uh, Chase Elliott, um, you know, sh show some emotion, you know, to take his frustrations and anger out. And I personally cannot wait um, for Sunday's race and to see, you know, what Chase does to Kyle Busch, um, you know, when, you know, when they're racing side by side. Um, it would not surprise me in the least that, uh, you know, Chase Elliott, you know, you know, either, you know, gives him a little bump in the right rear or, you know, you know, rattles his cage a little bit or, you know, whether he just flat out takes him out. Um, that would be a sight to see. I would love to see that. Um, you know, that would be a really big rivalry, you know, if this uh, if, you know, if anything comes of it, um, that'll be really, really fun to see. But no, like Kyle Busch, he just thinks he's he's you know he's this guy who nobody can mess with. Um, he thinks that he can do no wrong out on the track, and uh, you know I think he has what's coming to him. You know I really think Chase Elliott, you know he's had enough of people pushing him around. He's had enough of being the nice guy out on the track. No, I think he's done with that. You know because he's led the most laps so far, and I think the six races that NASCAR has run so far this year, um, he's had at least three races this year that he had the most dominant car and could have won and he um 
ended up uh, didn't winning. Um, so no, I think he's just tired of losing. He's tired of uh, people just running him over and you know treating him like he's a nobody. Um, I think he's fed up with it. So yeah, I think you're gonna see a new Chase Elliott out on the track this co- this coming Sunday. I think he he's gonna um, have a fire um, lit underneath his ass, and uh, I think he's going to dominate on Sunday. And you know, if I'm Kyle Busch, I don't want to go anywhere near Chase Elliott on the racetrack. Um, you know, if Chase Elliott's coming from behind me, you know, if I'm Kyle Busch, you know, I'm letting him go right by me. I'm not taking that chance. You know, even uh, Chase Elliott's crew chief Alan Gustafson, you know, he had a lot to say about that. You know, in as a crew chief, he's even tired of other racers out on the track you know uh taking you know taking chase elliott out you know you know he's tired of chase being pushed around and bumped around and stuff just because he's a you know he's a you know a nice guy um you know you know that whole team is fed up and you know and rightfully so you know they've had one of the most dominant cars consistently you know each and every race and they have failed to win yet so something's got to change and i think chase elliott's going to show that on sunday so if you want to see the aftermath of Wednesday's night race and see how it all plays out, uh, like I said, tune in this Sunday to watch a Coca-Cola 600. Um, you will not be disappointed, and I think you're going to see one hell of a good race um, on Sunday. And for all that being said, uh, those are my hot takes on what happened in the world of sports this past week. And we had a lot of talk about. There was a lot of things um, that happened in this past week in the world of sports. So I'm happy that you know there is more things starting to come in. There's more things we can talk about now. And um, you know, as this podcast evolves, I'm hoping you know I can talk a, a lot more about um, live sporting events uh, that happened. And as always, make sure to give me a follow on Facebook and on Twitter, and let me know um, how uh, I'm doing on the podcast here. You know, I want to make this the best podcast possible. Um, I, you know, I know I'm still, you know, starting this. I'm still learning as I go. So tell me how I can improve the show. Uh, tell me what I can do better. And uh, let me know um, what you would like to hear about in the upcoming episodes. Um, so just give me your feedbacks. Uh, give me your opinions um, on what I can do and what I can talk about on the show. So yeah, with all that being said, have a very fun and safe Memorial Day, Memorial Day weekend with friends and family. And until next time, I'll see you later guys.